Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast. We've got the powerful Ilsa Wolf, sorry, from Wolf Property Coaching. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Very excited to be on this pod with you, Luke. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into a little bit of your history uh, Mm -hmm. and what you're currently doing and sharing some insight as to some of the things people can be thinking about when it comes to property, Mm because it's something that I'm not a specialist in, Mm -hmm. uh, but it sounds like you are. So, (laughs) So maybe do you want to start there with what you currently do? Sure. So uh, my name is Ilsa Wolf uh, of Wolf Property Coaching. So fairly new brand in the business, I guess. Um, Historically, you may have heard or seen my name or face uh, with the Opus Partners brand, uh, Andrew and Ed from a competitive podcast. Oh, wait, there's no competitors around here. What do you mean? We're the best. <laughs> and um, so, you know, as of September, uh, decided to buy the lads out and go independent. You know, we're in that that cusp of the market where many, from many different perspectives, everything is turning more positive for property investors and in particular, my strategy, which is helping investors add value to existing builds and I call the program Accelerate where you're really accelerating your results through property by adding value and increasing the pace that you buy properties at. Wow, so that's for people who are currently investing in property or for anybody can get started with that? For for aspiring, existing people who want to do better, you know, I I find that I have two lots of investors, those who have... uh, those who are really actively self-educating through podcasts and you know any form of you know books, any form of education, and they're hunting out the information and getting started in their late twenties or thirties. Uh, but I also have a second group of investors who have you know DIY'd it. They've built you know a portfolio or a couple of properties over say one or two decades, and realise now based on what they learn, it's not performing that well. So they're saying, hey, well, I have ten years until I want to retire. I'm definitely nowhere near the place I need to be if I retire when I say I want to I need some help to do it better. Nice so the uh, coaching that they go through is it a, a portal as such online like how does it work? Oh we're into the detail now. Yeah, yeah. sorry yeah I'm <laughs> cool. intrigued. Yeah so so um, with my strategy um, I have a trademark it's called cash flow hacking so um, has a pretty strong presence out there now in the New Zealand market so the the essence I guess of it is I have this idea of buying at discount, and I don't mean buying below market value, you hear that a lot, it's really about buying a property that has fewer bedrooms or bathrooms than what you want, and then finding the right property that you can add those into non-structurally, and as cost, time, and red tape efficient as possible, to effectively you know, say for example, buy two bedrooms, but then get rent from three or four or five with a bunch of hacks I have so that you distort the return. You get a higher than average return. So that's the goal. And the whole point of that is that if you can strengthen the return of that property, you're going to have a stronger servicing base sooner. And you'll also go the extra mile as to raising part of that deposit for the next one. And therefore you're a bit more in control um, of your progress rather than purely waiting for long-term market uplift. Okay. So that's the goal, but how do people, like how do they interact with the the teaching around this? Yeah, sure. So there's quite a few different layers to it. So at the, at the core, um, my name is the brand. So it's very much one-on-one. Um, typically, each investor will work with me for 12 months, although there is the choice to run one project, and that's a Burr strategy. So buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. You'll be familiar with that. Oh, I've heard people talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the cash flow hack method is, is a different take on that. Um, so it's very much a personalized 
rollout of my strategy based on their own situation and what they want to achieve. So that's the one-on-one. And it could be down to, hey, which locations um, they may not even know where they want to buy. I help guide them through data and the strategy. And I have full power teams, which are your property managers, draftspeople, builders, to execute the, the reno. Um, so that's all one-on-one. And then there's an education on-demand portal, so hours and weeks and months of content there. That's more wow. the theory. Um, and I have frequent group lives, basically group Zooms. Um, there could be market updates. Um, we might do a, you know, now we're coming into seasonally when market prices start to uplift seasonally. We haven't seen them yet, but yeah. <laughs> um, so we tend to run through from Whangarei right down to Dunedin where I have regional power teams covered for those those locations. Um, and then I love to you know get all my investors on a call and we say, let's run from top to bottom of country. Uh, let's get a property manager that we work with and let's get a valuer uh, or a real estate agent. So we're hearing from both the prices side of things and how rents are going and we can start to form an opinion about each of those markets coming into the new season. Sometimes it can be a case study group live, but I'm trying to have a balance of one-on-one, that's the core value an investor will invest in me for, Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a group level as well as the online content. And because the um, I have teams all around the country, what I end up with is a spread of investors all buying in all sorts of locations, usually remotely. Um, so it provides a great opportunity for reno road tours. So where we end up with a cluster of you know, mid renos in Whangarei, we might all you know, whiz up there. Some people fly up from the South Island, some people drive. It doesn't always work for everybody, but it's a great chance for on-site education, looking at the renovations and networking with the supplier teams as well. Wow, so people can actually go hands-on and see some of the practicalities of what needs to be done to yeah. add value to a property. That's right. And and for the most part, what I'm really educating them on is the numbers. You know, What's the price to buy? What is the type of property to buy to fit this strategy to add internal bedrooms without structural changes? How do I achieve an 8% gross yield on a standalone house? That's the, that's the goal every time. Um, but I think there's a bit of a and a misunderstanding in the market that if you're buying to renovate, you have to be on the tools and you have to know how to do it yourself. I would say 90% of my investors completely delegate to the professionals. I teach them how much to spend on top of the purchase price. You know, there's, it's all ratios, right? Mm-hmm. What's a reasonable amount to spend on the renovation? What's the scope? What's a reasonable price for that? What should you get as out, an outcome in terms of value uplift and if anything, you want a guaranteed rental outcome to show you that it's worthwhile going that extra mile and extra effort as well. Nice. So picking up sort of two types of people, maybe you can correct me on this, that sort of work with you. One, people that are wanting to get into property and understand what they could do from an investment strategy and get some of the education that they might be lacking mm-hmm. and then two some that are like okay I want to go a bit faster can I work with you directly so that I don't have to go through all the content can you basically just tell me what I need to be doing or put the guardrails up yeah. and, and help me get there faster definitely I mean the, the main benefit I guess I'm providing and if I took myself back to 2007 when I first started when I first bought my own property at 22 I had to work it all out myself and I've built my portfolio it's great there's definitely a few I'm going to swap out very soon (laughs) but um, you know if I could take the knowledge from now back to 2007 and create a portfolio purely on the criteria I have for myself now it would like you know absolutely smash the portfolio I currently have basically what they're buying 
or investing in themselves with by working with me is they should be buying time back, like literally yes. shortcutting their progress. Yeah. So it's not about, oh, how much equity can I make in a property? How high can I get the gross return on that property? It's actually how quickly can you beat Ilsa <laughs> mm. to get to the same size portfolio, which is not a luxury I had. I had no one guiding me through that. Um, really, really cool example is I have two buds, two mates who – have partnered up together and started working with me. In nine months, they've achieved 10 rentals and wow. it took me eight years to get to 10. So they've shortcut me seven years already. Sheesh. Yeah. Following your methodology. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand that coaching is normally about actually speeding up results. Like I don't yeah. think they do a very good job in New Zealand of explaining that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how many properties do you have in your portfolio now? <laughs> um, I have over 30 at the moment uh, and I'm really focused on multi-units, so multi-income blocks. Okay. Um, my largest property at the moment is um, 11 incomes. It started as 10. I've added 11th took the rent from 110000 up to about 255000 with a six-month renovation. Say that again. My, <laughs> my accounting brain can't keep up. 110 to 250. Yeah, to 253, I think it is. Nice. Um, so that was through, for the most part, cosmetic renovations. But I have, I guess what I have evolved over, what's it, 17 years or 16 years of investing is I can walk into a property and picture exactly the end result and I can work out how to get from here to there um, and pretty much down to a few hundred dollars, I can work out what I will spend and how I need to go about it. So I guess that's the the nuts and bolts of what a client would get in working with me is usually they're really uncertain about how to get from how they view the property to how what the outcome is and what it costs to get there. And I guess I've done so many of these now that I can just do that in my head. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think in that process of improving, you know, every time I buy a property, the performance is better, the returns are better. Uh, um, I was going to say, <coughs> sorry. sorry then. Um, right. You're right, we've got you talking. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was basically, you know, with what you learn over time, every property performs better. Like that's how it should work, right? Yeah. So naturally, the earlier properties that I bought tend to not serve me anymore at least they don't meet my current purchase criteria so it's a continual education journey not only for my clients but for myself and I pick up you know new learning all the time from seeing the different experiences that their renovations give them and that's because you would do so some of those properties you've got from your early days you would do things differently so they wouldn't necessarily meet the criteria for a purchase anymore oh yeah, yeah some of them are so far like I have a few properties in South Auckland that you know the theory is there they're great development potential uh the cash flow is poor there's a ton of equity in them each um, and the idea that I might develop them is great, but for now they're really lazy properties. Uh, I've realised that those are the ones I do need to sell because am I really going to have the time or inclination to become a developer now when I know that for far less effort and a far faster timeline I can get a, a higher return uh, from buying a block of units or yeah. creating a boutique hotel or something like that. Yeah, so when you say multi-unit, like 11, is that, mm -hmm. you know, is that 11 apartments or what does that actually look like? Yeah, so that one is actually an ex-motel. Uh, when I got the property file, it was called the Aloha Motel, if you can picture you. I've stayed there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can picture that, you know, the classic, hey, look, we've got the cinder block, you know, yeah. the old 60s motels with the cinder block walls that I just want to jib up because they're, they're so ugly. They make me feel of like a you know, 1995 roadie yeah. um, and uh, studios, one bedroom, kind of a mix of those. Um, that's just a really amazing unicorn deal I managed to get off market. Um, but through, 
you know, the net equity gain through the renovation was over 1.2 million. And for six months of work, that's a pretty awesome return. And it's one of those things as you improve and you scaffold up every project, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? So then all of a sudden that becomes a typical deal. Um, 11 units on one block of land, that comes with many more opportunities and now I'll probably be looking for 20 or 30 on a title, you know? So Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Is that the natural progression that people that really go deep into property take is sort of, okay, I understand this game. You're going from one house to maybe then two on a piece of land to, oh, maybe four, maybe 11. Yeah. And then what is the ceiling? Yeah, I think it depends on your motivation. Every time I meet with a new investor, they think in one of two ways. Some investors think about wealth, Mm -hmm. so capital growth, um, and others think about yield or cash flow or passive cash flow. Um, So based on how they describe their property goals tells me quite quickly which camp they're in. Um, And the thing is, over your investing career through property, you'll probably find you swing from one to the other because you can only get so far focusing on one of the two before, I mean, as an accountant, you'll understand you have to balance those things out. Mm. So I made the mistake of going 100% down this, I need to raise capital, um, I need to raise equity through renovating. I just need to form my, at the time, 30% deposit. I'll just satisfy that, move into another one, roll into another reno until the broker said to me after four properties, hang on, your servicing doesn't meet out, you're, you're tapped out. I'm thinking, what do you mean about what servicing? I made the deposit, can't I buy a property? Mm. So there's only so much debt, so much income can hold up, right? So then at that point, I knew I was handbraked or I'd handbraked myself um, and I needed to swing far the other way into improving servicing. So that's how cash flow hacking was born, basically. We'll dive into that soon. I just want to take you back. You said something that you probably brushed over that I think is a massive lesson for people. And that was that you can see what a property could be like, right? So you can almost see it in advance so you can see the value. And similar lesson I had from a property developer at a pretty large scale and they said to me, you don't make your profit when you sell, you make it when you buy. And that was a light bulb moment for me. I'm kind of like, what the hell? Everything I thought was wrong. I thought it was that's when you make the profit was when you finally sell. You like develop the the value, right? That's what you're thinking. Yeah. But equally one day in the horse space, which I was telling you about off the mic here, now (laughs) the there's sales once a year where people go, well they're throughout the year, but there's some big ones that we have in the country and vendors bring their horses to this giant auction. It's at um, Karaka in late January. If you've never been, it's worth taking the kids just to be like, wow, this is actually an industry. This is crazy. And we're a massive exporter uh, in, in the world, and we produce some of the best horses in the world. Mm-hmm. But anyway, these these horses are babies, and they've been taught how to walk. Um, they're, they're about a year old, basically. And someone said to me, oh, the best buyers can see what they'll look like at two, three, and four. Oh. And I'm like, fuck off. That's a yarn. <laughs> that's just some marketing. And then yeah. I kept hearing it. And they're like, no, no, like honestly, that's that person's competitive advantage. They can tell what that horse will look like in two, three, four years' time. And I'm thinking, how are you how do you know? But it's just time in the market and experience, right? Mm. But you can't just do that by turning up and going, Oh, you know, that's how you're gonna look at this house or this horse if you haven't put the runs on the board. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they can see the value in other things and you can make money out of being able to do that. Mm-hmm. And it might be that you are a logo designer and you realize 
that logo is fairly shit. It could like look like this and you show someone that and because they yeah. couldn't see that, yeah. they'll pay you to do that. It's, so it's no different. It's about staying, sticking in, it's about sticking to your lane, right? Also, yeah. if anyone's a graphic designer, I do need one. So I'm sticking to my lane. <laughs> well, there we go. At so, <laughs> Wolf Property Coaching yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's only so far, I mean, it's, it's, it's fashionable to be a generalist and yes, it's great to have a bunch of skills. You know, I'm, you know, I've taken over the, over this business um, from Andrew, Ed and Ollie and I find myself needing to do so many things I wouldn't previously be doing. You know, I'm having to resource all the people I otherwise had in the office back then. Yeah. Um, so there's a, com- a point in time where I know I could be reaching my capacity and I need to focus on the really high value effort and con- continuing to develop that experience so I can impart that knowledge with my investors because that's what they depend on me for. Like a decision in buying property could be a half a million or a million dollar investment, which is significant. The worst thing that could happen is you get buyer's remorse for a million dollar purchase. Like there's, you just can't have that happen, right? Mm. So I, I need to farm out all of the other skills to those who can do a far better job than I can. Nice. Okay, so first property purchase at... Uh, in 2007 at 22, just before the GFC. Good timing there. Yeah, I bought two and then it, cra- <laughs> and then it crashed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. And yeah. so now fast forward 17-ish years, you've got 30. And what would that portfolio be worth, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's 31 or 32 at the moment, um, worth around about 20 million NZ. Yeah. And I'm just actually now having just come back from the States and made a whole bunch of incredible allies over there, just cracking into the US market now. So I'm so excited about that because the returns are next level. When I said, oh, you know, I help investors create 8% gross yield on standalones or double digit gross yields on blocks of units. They literally didn't flinch. They were like, that's shit. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They won't get out of bed for 30%, you know, gross yield. So, um, So it's really... I'm excited because the way I'm starting to view my portfolio now is that's actually where I see the cash flow and the lifestyle and here I see is my capital because our capital long term, the growth in the market is, you know, give or take 7% per annum, uh, whereas in the US it's one or two. So they can in fact play, you know, they can actually complement as well. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing that you can get into a vehicle, a property, and you can then end up playing globally as well which is oh I had no idea that wasn't even an option so it's sort of very early stages but yeah just kicking off the first project now which is very cool but um and that's the thing right so I don't know the market I need to find the experts in that market same is true for me I'm getting into boxing I could really really terribly feel my way through that but I hire a coach right so it's more about like finding the finding out your strategy for me I'm looking for uh, to help investors who have a long-term buy and hold. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, flipping is one strategy, developing is another strategy, subdivisions, you know, that's a strategy all on its own as well, land development. For me, I'm all about finding that sweet spot between time efficiency, um, cost efficiency on the renovation. So I can sort of say, do I spend a dollar here or a dollar here? I can always choose the right one um, and help my clients do that to maximize their return. But I'm all about trying to find a path of least resistance to so consents, red tape, councils, holding costs over time, I don't really like any of that. So I'm trying to find the best bang for buck in terms of how can I get a massive return for a bit of extra effort, but in, with the least resistance possible. Nice. How did you learn all of this stuff? <laughs> I did start on the tools. Yeah. Now, I, I invested part-time for a few years, um, 
very blindly through the GFC when I was 23, I think, and just had no clue. I also didn't know that negative equity was an issue. So I kind of breezed through that (laughs) ignorantly, thankfully. Um, And then um, I actually lost my mum very suddenly while I was living overseas. And that was my light bulb tragic trauma point really Um, and from there I threw myself in full time literally onto a paintbrush onto an electric sander alongside a builder and just learnt the ropes in every facet of a full renovation Um, spent an entire summer from seven till seven every day with my brother paying him in equity because I had no cash to pay him to help me get a few renos under the belt. Gee, not many people get paid in New Zealand property equity. That's a good deal. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and even with that, I had no idea how that first reno would go. Mm. So I said, I'll I'll give you about 100, I think it was $150 of equity per day that you helped me. Um, and I had to work it out. So it was very slow to begin with, but you know, that's the, that's the journey with anything you learn new, right? It takes a while, but once you get your foundation, it sort of hockey sticks up. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, one thing that I learned growing up was to never ask a woman their age, but I'm working it out here and roughly around 40. Um, <laughs> don't age me prematurely. I'm not quite there yet. Okay. 39 ish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sweet. So I didn't ask, did I? <laughs> That's a good tip. The for whole the editing crew is just cringing, going, <laughs> "Oh my god, I can't What's believe you asked." <laughs> and children. Sorry, we're getting oh, personal sorry. now. Yeah, we're now she's tapping out. She's going. <laughs> yeah, which directions is going in again? Yeah. Um, so I have two. Yeah. So London, she is nearly seven, and Hendrix is nearly three. Wow. Mm. Awesome. So, so you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah. Where was, I was going to. Don't worry. That's nice sitting again. It's it's quite wild when I look back. So um, with Opus Accelerate, I started that. Actually, the boys approached me when I was 30 weeks pregnant. Um, Ed initially approached me. And then I think when I turned up face to face with Andrew and he saw my stomach, he's probably thinking, oh. <laughs> um, and you know, none of them are parents yet. And they sort of said, hey, look, we're really keen to do this. You tell us when you're ready. We have no idea what it's like. Yeah. But once they planted that seed in my head, uh, once Hendrix was born, I think we launched in three months. I just had to start. Like we had yeah. to go once it, the idea was there. So um, when I look back, that was a mental, mental year, like mm. building a new business, looking after 20 or 30 new clients at that point, working it out and breastfeeding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. far out. Yeah. Full-time jobs yeah. and building businesses. Yeah. What advice would you have for mums or new mothers around going after something that you are interested in but balancing it with the shit but my children oh man those guilts they're Mm. so hard i read about that obviously i don't understand it but (laughs) i think it must be important to, to talk about yeah uh i definitely still struggle with it um i have a lot of female i mean i i work with male and female clients and I, I do know that other female clients also they're juggling learning this with me often operating a business or working um yeah that's a really tough one um it's you go through a phase if you want that growth it, I don't want it to sound cliche but you know if you want that growth you kind of put yourself through the ringer to get to do it for them for the kids and to get more than you see around you as the status quo, right? So, you know, I'll put myself through the ringer and just keep pushing forward. And I think that is one of the key things is having that grit to just keep taking a step forward or getting up when you think you can't. Mm. Um, Because to get an outcome that's going to be superior to 
you otherwise doing nothing is for me that's motivating enough in itself um I know a lot of women do struggle to balance the two or their choices are compromised because they have limited hours um which is really tough because so many talented women mm. I think statistically women are better investors aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right correct. so it's um it becomes a capacity thing and just working out you know if you've got a supportive partner that helps a ton you know as I do so then you yeah. can keep pushing forward but you you absolutely have to have that support network and the um adage that you need a village is absolutely true yeah within our group We've joked about having a commune and building our ultimate place so we can all help each other out. I think we're not far off actually doing that because it truly would help. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's very, very, um, you know, inspiring. Where where does that grit and determination come from for you? Uh, My mum was Chinese, so my dad often says that comes from the Chinese side. Yeah. Uh, truly, though, education was the number one value in our house. So while my parents, they weren't investors, my dad's not an investor, although he supports me now, I think he really starts to see he wants to get on board in memory of her, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, that even when, you know, all my friends had billabong tops and I thought that was really important at school and they mm. were like, you don't need these labels and things. They couldn't afford that stuff. That's not what they said, but I know now that's what it was. But they put every dollar into piano lessons and languages and um, and making sure we went to university, which was their number one. Um, and the second thing was making sure that we would learn our Chinese background. So every spare dollar went into saving for a trip to Malaysia for us to go have time with our grandparents. So those were basically... Everything was driven around those two values. Yeah, education. Education. And do you mind talking about your mum some more? Is that all right? Or am I yeah, that's okay. Yeah, because yeah. you said that you sort of went through that trauma point. Yeah. What, what does that look like or what does that mean to you? Um, for me, it was, you know, growing up in the 90s and having um, – my mum was quite entrepreneurial. Her father was a really successful business person in Malaysia – all sorts of probably some above, some below board mm-hmm. <laughs> business from, you know, yeah. <laughs> mid-century ideas. We can get um, those off the record. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, you know, he was a hustler and yeah. I, I probably, I'd like to think maybe I have an element from that side, I guess. Um, but, you know, I grew up where my my dad um, grew up in his household, sort of, you know, with that whole mentality of you you spend your whole working life to pay down your own home and that's it. So I grew up hearing that and always hearing them talk about, oh, we're this far through our mortgage. And so I guess I had that ingrained in me that that's that's the goal in life. You kind of want to have a freehold house that you've lived in. And when you retire, you sell that, you sell down to something smaller and you have a bit of a nest egg to live off. Mm. But then I've also seen uh, my nana sort of so you know, retire on that strategy and see that run out. So the parts weren't, adding up for me Um, my mum wanted to support and invest or co-invest with me a couple times and I know she suggested that idea Um, but my father was just so stressed out from the stock market crash that none of that ever got past the first suggestion really and that's no blame you know I don't blame that that's you know how he was either conditioned or the how he took whatever he's heard in his household growing Mm up but for me I just um, wanted to not have any of those worries and I And probably culturally, um, it's the eldest child's duty to look after the parents after they retire. So I've always had that mindset of, 
I knew that they'd provided everything for my brother and I to their own sacrifice. So that was always my mission was, oh, I'm going to get you, you'll have a brand new car one day, mum. You're going to have a, a house where you have a dishwasher and um, dad can have his favourite Subaru or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that was always my mentality was I'm going to pay them back in that way so they could have a really comfortable life. Um, but the yeah, the horrible thing is I only get to do that for my dad. So Yeah. Shit, that's yeah. tough. But that's motivating in itself. Yeah, mm. I'm sure should be extremely proud of what you've been able to uh, do and now help other people do as well. Thank you. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing is to, you just need one person to give you that suggestion of, you know, if specific to property now, it was it was a client who's a, an accountant director when I was working at Westpac. Mm. I think as many of us in the property-related industry, we've, we've seen the light through a, a ton of profit and loss yeah. and balance sheets accounts in the bank and you start to attribute also that property creates wealth or wealth enables you to buy property so mm. either way which whichever direction it goes in business people are often associated with property um, and that person took the time to show me through all those great benefits we used to have like depreciation and interest deductibility and um, I was hooked really I thought well this is how I'm going to um, get beyond the nine to five because I could only make my monthly salary last three out of four weeks so I needed yeah. something to close the other week yeah, <laughs> yeah nice I think it's cool that you've been able to see that like, you could connect the dots and realize that um, you know you could have the life that say yeah, a lot of other people have if you want to but you didn't want that and so mm. then you went looking for okay what do I need to do differently and I think so many people yeah. right now are in that position where when interest rates have been lower and stuff and things have been a little bit easier and it's just mm. been you know pretty frothy out there we've sort of thought oh life's pretty comfortable but now I think there's a lot of Kiwis that are thinking shit this feels a little bit broken I might have to do something differently yeah yeah, yeah. for sure I think that as you grow older, you gain responsibilities. You know, you have you have a house, and then you have children, and there's no way you can't make it work, right? Mm. You have to work it out. And the same is true for if you're determined to get into property, whether it's your own home, your first home, or an investment. Um, if you're really truly going to, if you truly want it, then you'll find a way. I definitely found my deposit in a bit of a side hustle way. And you know, people get creative. Yeah. I think we're a bit more restricted in New Zealand. There's, there aren't so many. You know, we, it's a really, um, it's a really small market. So even within the property investing, there aren't as many strategies that we can sort of deploy here. You know, it's pretty restrictive because we need huge deposits. Um, you know, a lot of parameters that keep the industry safe. It all makes sense, but it also creates higher barriers to entry. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, for example, over in the States, you know, you can you can make money in so many ways, like other people's property, other people's land, pop a tent on someone's land, put it on Craigslist and say, hey, look, I'll pay you a lease to give me 50 square metres um, and then put a tent on and throw it on Airbnb. Like you can do all sorts of stuff to create the deposit to then buy a property. You don't have to start with a property, um, but those sort of options aren't so much available here. But if you're going to be super determined, you will absolutely find a way to do it. Nice. Let's touch on that then. So... For somebody who might be itching to get into investing in property, they know that they've got that thing in them that's saying, I think that's the vehicle. What are the steps to, to get themselves started to A, find out, is it for them? And B, take that first step and invest in their future, like you mm. did in 2007 at 22. Yeah. So how, what would I suggest? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, not financial advice, but yeah. <laughs> so I think there needs to be an alignment. You have to have an interest in it, right? If it's something you're going to stick at long term, 
I still can't quite pinpoint what I love about renovations over other strategies other than it's more the outcome. So again, I'm sh- I want to shortcut time and I want it faster. I want it now. I don't want to have to choose between capital gains or cash flow, even though in the market you hear you have to choose one or two. So I guess I've just found these methods of having it work for me, finding a way to make it work for me. So I think if you have an approach where you think, oh, maybe it is property, you've got to work out what it is that you you know, what do you like about it so that you're going to have that continued motivation. It's not something you can get excited about, educate for a few months and then that's going to carry you through. It doesn't work that way. Mm. Um, First thing is that, and then to hunt out the information from credible sources. And I think that's, you know, even saying that I think is kind of riddled with or fraught with danger because on social it's so easy to either regurgitate an awesome quote from someone of a huge name or um, you can use chat GPT and and ask for someone else's words or have an AI generated caption that if you know the person and you know how they speak um, or you know what they've actually achieved in their life, you can pretty quickly tell if something's AI generated or not, right, and see if it's authentic. It's very difficult right now with social media to separate authenticity from someone who's just selling something. So I think if you're looking for the information, you have to make sure um, whoever you're following in the footsteps of has actually reached the, the point that you want to arrive at. Otherwise, they can't shine the light for you. I love that. I was on TikTok the other day. Shit, it's a dangerous platform, that bad boy. <laughs> I ended up on the live feed by mistake. And there was this young fella, Kiwi guy, and he had this big fuck off stack of $20 notes. Um, like, yay high. Yeah. And there was something about copying people's trades or something and the immature version of Luke or the young version is like, fuck yeah, figure this out. What's he doing? Sign up to the Discord, whatever it is. Go and explore it. Just see what this is about. And then I'm basically like, this is a distraction. Stop. Stop watching. Who cares? Uh, But there were heaps of people watching. But I think the danger with social media at the moment, well, just in general, the danger for all of us humans is we look at things Mm. and think, okay, that's easier. It's going to be fast. But I think... What I keep trying to say here is that basically you start in 2007. You know, mm-hmm. It's coming up 20 years to get to where you've got to. That mm-hmm. is, and I would imagine you're probably like obsessed with this now. You yeah. eat, sleep, repeat, <laughs> yeah. you know, layer on education on top of education. You're going to America. You're having your eyes opened and stuff. People, I think, just assume that they can kind of go, right, I might, you know, go and start being a property investor and just crush it and make 100 grand a year from, from yeah. next year as well. And why not? Yeah. Um, but really... You know, picking a vehicle that you're interested in and making sure that you actually are and then going mm. all in on it. Once you can find that, yes. yeah, your life really can be different. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people out there that just want to find a simple Quick. solution. Yeah. yeah. It's not real, right? No, no I, yeah, I, I, I do not think that's real. And mm. also, it truly is time that does the work. It has to be something that you view and be willing to put the miles in for. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I saw something on Insta the other day, a guy, a, a, well, barely looked like a teenager, suggesting that he knew how to make a million dollars off um, hotel, you know, when you get all the min- mini shampoos and conditioners. Okay. So like far out, that's clickbait. I'm going to yeah. click on that. Yeah. Um, and he said how to make a million dollars after, um, you know, off hotel cosmetics. I was like, what the heck? So he said, every hotel you stay in, also if you're 13, how many hotels do you stay in and how quickly can you yeah. accumulate this stuff? But he said, you you grab all the conditioner shampoo from all the hotels you stay in 
uh, then you go and sell it online on Trade Me or wherever. You invest that cash in the stock market for X amount of time and make a million dollars. That's quite good. Oh, wow. I, I paid um, four grand with a mate for an e-commerce course to buy something off Amazon and resell it. And yeah. then fortunately, I had a good conversation with myself and was like, fuck, do I really want to be hocking off the next fluoro, bloody glow-in-the-dark <laughs> coat hanger that you can see at <laughs> six in the morning when you're waking up? I'm like, no, Luke, you are not that guy. That's a... F- <laughs> Like that's a path. You, that's yeah. there's so much work down there, mm-hmm. and I had to write it off and basically be like, right, okay, there's a two grand lesson for me that yeah. there's still a bit of me that's like quick win, something fun. Mm-hmm. I reckon I could do that, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, should I actually be doing that? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, um, but I think it's it's hard for people to try and find their thing. But the beautiful thing about property in New Zealand is that there's actually so many people that love it and are good at it and are willing to reteach people mm-hmm. you know how to go further down that journey right mm-hmm. yeah I think if you're serious about getting the results and if you do want them faster um, then you know as with anything you learn you shortcut time you learn faster so it's about aligning with the, the right choice then at that point if you're going to get someone to mentor or coach you find the strategy that works for you and then find the person that you vibe with you've got to have you need to have a fit together um to make sure you want to to learn from this person and how do you know when enough is enough when it comes to properties at the property buffet for me well yeah i don't yeah you don't yeah (laughs) i honestly i get asked that so many times where is my goal i i I don't have one it just just want to push harder i just want to do every deal better get better results and yeah it's that thrill of that transformation i guess Mm. um but also wondering Maybe it's that excitement of, okay, now I've accomplished this sized deal. How do I do a deal twice as big? Because once you elevate to another level, that becomes your norm, right? So it's no longer challenging. So I don't know, maybe I've got some weird addiction to like property deal sizes or something. (laughs) Probably just chasing growth and competing with your old self, right? Yeah. Sometimes I talk about, you know, you used to play, you probably didn't. Um, (laughs) Didn't waste your time doing this, but I think it was um, Gran Turismo and you'd have the ghost car behind you, which was your personal best and you'd be racing your personal best. Oh my gosh, I forget my brother was playing that. Yeah. Yeah, I just pictured it as you described it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's what life is like, right? Where you're like, fuck, it's in front of me. How is it in front of me? I feel like I'm doing better with this one. Or you beat it and you're like, yes. That's a great metaphor. (laughs) So I took that to another level and I would run up this hill, Lower Domain Drive, and I would think about where my Gran Turismo (laughs) shadow was. Was I in front of it? Yeah, so I think people like us are sick. Yeah, there's probably something wrong with us if we start, (laughs) you know, doing that. But I mean, yeah, what I did want to ask, and it's again a little bit personal, but have you done some things around like self development or even counselling or explored some of your childhood or you know to openly say, oh, the trauma of your mum dying and stuff and working through Mm. that, like you just kind of glazed over that. But Mm. are those things that you've learnt along the way and lent into? Yeah, so that I probably didn't go deep enough on that when you ask, but. Um, that really became about, at the time for context, which I should have said, was I was working in a, one of the largest vodka companies in the world in Luxembourg, but for a, it was a privately owned brand, um, this Russian oligarch married to a Victoria's Secret model, um, and 
and it was just really intertwined, his life and the business, and he had zero care for us, us as employees. You know, half the time I'd have to pay bills for the marketing agency and I'd, I'd have no cash because he'd taken Bill Gates out on a boat and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Jeez. Yeah, it was all in that kind of world. Yeah. And um, then the other thing that was happening around me was as my colleagues would stay for too well, – not stay for too long – would, you know, earn their tenure. So year after year, they got closer, they knew more. They'd just suddenly disappear or get fired. And I thought, he has no value for our mm. staff. He just wants us to line his pockets. And so the fact that I was on the other side of the world, um, lost my mum, that was time I would never get back. Mm. Maybe that's part of the time factor in my head. Um, I decided I would never, ever give my time to someone who didn't value it. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, deciding I'm going to build cash flow and wealth for my family and for now my kids um, in a way that has value for me, not where I'm creating the value for someone else. Love it. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I wanted to finish there because I felt like there was something there and I think for a lot of us, you can kind of tell with self-aware people, right, where they've dug into their past, they've got mm. a little bit of the reasoning, they can kind of see what's healthy, what's unhealthy, why they might be doing what they're doing. Um, and that plays a big part of, of who they are. Mm -hmm. And I just think I'd encourage all of us to basically try and do some of those things where we understand yeah. what's driving us. Totally. And it can be a really hurtful, dark place to try and mm. do that work. Um, there's probably still more I need to do on that as well for myself, but um, you can use that to drive you, right? It creates a power um, yeah. and an energy. So if you put that to the right purpose and in that right direction, you can turn that into really positive outcomes. Yeah, because I kind of think that sometimes people mistake life that it just has to be people clapping you on the whole time and that's what you want. But then mm. so many people that I meet that are doing well as well will say, oh, I needed that person doubting me or like fucking me off or showing me that that wasn't how I wanted to live. And then yeah. they were like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to go over here yep. um, and do yep. it this way. And then even you've probably thought, right, I've got all the answers. And then your parents are like, oh, I don't know if I want to – you know, this seems too risky for us. And so then mm -hmm. you've kind of got to prove to them that it is <laughs> that it is right. Yeah, tell me I can't do it and yeah. I'll definitely do it. <laughs> yeah, you almost need the doubters plus the supporters and then go, okay, thank you. You're, I know you're both uh, there. Now I'll go and prove it. Yeah, it's a strange formula when you yeah. put it out loud. Yeah. Well, I just want to say sorry, firstly, um, before we wrap this up, because... Usually with a podcast, what's really smart to do is basically start at the beginning of your journey, walk all the way through it, and then just unpack some things as we go. But I didn't fucking do that at all. Um, <laughs> we've gone all over the show. But I do know that the lads who are good friends of the Keep the Change podcast at Checks and Balances, they've done a great podcast with you, right? Yes, Where yes. you've explained in probably a lot more detail than my 64 tangents over the last 50 minutes, <laughs> you know, your quite your, your linear journey of property. Yeah, how you got yeah. in, into investing in things. So I kind of I don't like to just do the same podcast as other people because I think there's probably well, you know, there's no real lessons in there. So if you do want to um, you know, understand more about Ilsa and what she's done to get to where she is today, then there is a podcast via checks and balances. Go to their podcast, go search and you'll be able to find that information. That has been outstanding. I feel like we've only scratched the surface. We will be doing a bit more of advanced part two and diving into some more of the geeky side to property, <laughs> uh, figuring out how we can maximize property investments. But any final words from yourself or anything that you'd like to get across uh, to people? And then secondly, how can they find more of what you're up to or keep an eye on your journey? Thanks so much, Luke. Such a pleasure. And uh, fully appreciate the 64 Tangents. You definitely... 
uh, played a role of having me challenge myself. <laughs> I think I'll be continuing That's to good. work on that. No, it's yeah. fantastic. Um, so I guess one of the main lessons is uh, one, two, uh, if you're going to have that certitude that you want an outcome for yourself, you have to just have that certitude and make it happen uh, regardless of what challenges are thrown at you. It's very easy to make your excuses larger than your reasons, but you're definitely not going to arrive at where you say you want to be if you let them overcome your motivation. Um, and the second one is, we didn't really touch on the topic, maybe we will in part two, um, being a female in the property industry, I think I underappreciated how uh, much of a perceived barrier there is out there for many women who feel it's not an area for them. Uh, mm. So I guess one, the second thing I'd like to say is like, do not let that be a barrier for you in the same way I have not let it be a barrier for me. Nice one. Yeah, I'm very lucky that I have a lot of successful um, female woman clients, whatever terminology we're supposed to use in 2023, I can't keep up. <laughs> and I kind of just look at them and think, fuck, that's awesome, that's so inspiring, and then just look at them as another client. But then they'll often tell me, oh, shit, in my industry. And I'm like, but you've proven that that's not true because you're killing yeah. it. And I'm like, do you want to see some male clients doing stuff in your industry? They suck. <laughs> uh, so like, let that go. But I'm, you know, I know that there are... Um, those barriers and those self-limiting beliefs and stuff. But mm. before we jumped on here, I said the cool thing about what you're doing is that there'll be so many women that will be able to see themselves in you or even just break that limiting belief that they have that they can't do it because mm. they have children um, or that they're female trying to kill it in that space and whatnot. But you're basically showing them the path and you've been there and done it and you can help people speed up through that journey. So thank you um, for the work you're doing in that space. And secondly, thank you for the word certitude. I didn't even know, is that a word? Uh, yeah. How to spell that? I'm gonna have, that's my fucking word of the week, outstanding. So <laughs> I've learned something here as well. I'm sure the listeners have as well. Stay tuned for the part two. Thank you. Thank you.